This episode of The Way Home Podcast is sponsored by Evangelicals for Life, January 18th through 20th in Washington, D.C. Visit evangelicals.life for more information. How can Christians turn everyday conversations that they have with friends, with family, with neighbors, maybe at the store or sort of picking up their kids from school, how can we turn those conversations into gospel conversations? I think for most of us, evangelism seems very scary. We're intimidated by sharing the gospel with somebody else. But my guest today, my friend Jimmy Scroggins, says that it doesn't have to be that intimidating. It doesn't have to be that scary. If you think of everyday conversations as a bridge to having gospel conversations, Jimmy is the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is a network of neighborhood churches there. He's also a board member of the Board of Trustees at Palm Beach Atlantic University and at Lifeway Christian Resources. Jimmy Scroggins has developed this uh, really unique uh, evangelism strategy called Three Circles that has been quite effective. We're going to talk today about what evangelism looks like in the 21st century to people who are increasingly disinterested in coming to church, who might not be interested in spiritual conversations, uh, what it looks like for ordinary Christians to go into their neighborhoods and share the gospel with people that might seem hostile to the Christian faith. Jimmy, thanks for joining the podcast. Oh, man, so glad to be here. So, Jimmy, uh, first of all, maybe for people who, I mean, I can't imagine there's anybody in the world that doesn't know who Jimmy Scroggins is, but let's just... <laughs> yeah, right. L- let's just pretend that. Maybe talk okay. about your journey to um, to pastoring and how God has put kind of uh, evangelism on, on, on your heart this way. Yeah, Dan. Well, I grew up in Florida, so I'm a Florida native. Um, my dad was a high school football coach. And so we moved around a lot when I was a kid, moved all over Florida, um, ended up, I became a Christian as a, as a young kid. I grew up trying to follow Christ. And actually, my dad is one of the greatest evangelists that you will ever meet. He has led literally hundreds of his football players to Christ in the public schools in Florida. And just growing up, watching my dad share his faith just constantly and faithfully, and I, I grew up in an environment where my dad took everyday conversations and turned them into gospel conversations. And and so I learned to do that as well. I mean, I, I remember leading uh, some of my friends to Christ even when I was in elementary school and when I was in high school and in college. And so that's been part of kind of the the, the environment that I was raised in in terms of, in terms of uh, my approach and my parents' approach to Christianity. When I was in college, I went to a great church, First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I was called to ministry. When I graduated from college, I ended up going to Southern Seminary, um, did a couple of degrees there, became a pastor at a church there, a great evangelistic church under an evangelistic pastor, uh, Kevin Ezel, and then um, began to teach at Southern Seminary, became a dean at Southern Seminary, and then um, in 2008 came to be the pastor of what was then the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. And we've since changed our name to the Family Church of West Palm Beach. So, Jimmy, I'm I'm thinking about evangelism, and you're you're in a um, you know, pretty diverse area there in in West Palm Beach. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And so, um, you know, a lot of people have said, and I think I think there's some truth to this that you know, evangelism today probably has to have a maybe a different approach than maybe in the 50s and 60s, where maybe people had more of a uh, 
even if they weren't believers, they had more of a framework of Christianity where they kind of understood the basic contours. And so you're sharing a few verses of them with them from John, Romans, and sort of the light comes on. Where I'm, I'm imagining the people in your church are encountering people who may not have any kind of framework or come from other religions. And so has that changed uh, kind of the way that uh, you're encouraging people to evangelize? Yeah, Dan, it really has. And that's why I think we developed the three circles is is... I was trained in every method of evangelism. I mean, I was trained in EE. I was trained in, uh, you know, CWT. I was trained in the faith evangelism method. I know how to draw the bridge. I outlined the Romans Road in my Bible. I can share the steps to peace with God from the Billy Graham organization or the four spiritual laws from uh, Campus Crusade. And those are all awesome tools for evangelism, but, but almost all of them assume a certain kind of a theological perspective that's already built into the person you're talking to before you actually get to the gospel. For instance, Evangelism Explosion has a couple of fantastic diagnostic questions. One of them is, if you died today, are you sure, 100% sure, that you would go to heaven? But that question assumes a theological perspective on on the part of the person you're talking to, that they actually believe there is a heaven, that they actually are concerned about it, that they're thinking about the afterlife. The people that I'm engaging with in South Florida, many of them don't, they're just not thinking in the theological categories. They're mm-hmm. not thinking what I would call God thoughts as a part of their everyday thinking. They're not talking about it. And so we're actually engaging with people who don't know any Bible verses. They don't know any Bible stories. They don't have a any kind of a biblical framework of morality that they're trying to follow. And so we have to have a way of talking about the gospel that doesn't assume a base of knowledge. Yeah, that's why I really like the three circles. And obviously, you can't explain the whole method here, but maybe if, you know, for someone who's never heard of what three circles is, maybe kind of if you could summarize kind of th- that approach. Yeah, well, basically, uh, we, we, try, we talk about turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. That's the title of our book that Steve Wright and Leslie Bennett and I wrote together. And that is really the key. Dan is like every day we know that everybody has between 20 and 30 meaningful conversations per day. Mm. Um, and so a lot of those kind a lot of those conversations, people are going to share with you little parts of their life and a lot of it has to do with their brokenness. That's something that people commonly talk about. So it would not be uncommon for your neighbor to say, Hey, uh, man, I'm you know, my wife is, you know, call his wife a name or something. And he's trying to, what he's doing is he's sharing with you a little bit of his brokenness. Or people talk about their kids and difficulties that their kids are having in school or that their grown children are having as adults. Or people talk about struggles in their careers or with their finances or with addiction or depression or whatever. They're sharing with us little pieces of their brokenness. And so when they do that, that gives us an opportunity. If we're attuned to it and listening for it, it gives us an opportunity to turn an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation. And that's what we're trying to learn to do ourselves and what we're trying to train the people at Family Church to do. And this tool has, has really helped people have a, have a guide for these conversations in order to help them get from someone's brokenness that they share into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It seems like some of the reasons that Christians are hesitant to evangelize might be legitimate fears of maybe feeling intimidated by speaking to someone who comes from another religion and they don't know what to say, or maybe they feel like, you know, they have to close the deal or, or every conversation, they have to explain the entire book of Romans, you know, uh, in, in three minutes. And tell me just about how the three circles method kind of uh, breaks down some of those fears for people. 
Well, I think the I think the best thing is that we try to actually bypass apologetics conversations. So we try not to argue with people from other religions. We try not to get sidetracked on questions about you know the origins of the universe. What the three circles really is is kind of an experience based approach to getting to the gospel. So the other person shares with me a little piece of their brokenness, and then I say, "Wow, um, I've actually had some similar experiences." And I've learned something that's helped me think about those challenges in a, in a better way, and I'd like to share it with you. And we'll begin to share with them. So you're actually talking to them about something that they want to talk about because they're the ones who introduced the brokenness to you. So, for instance, my neighbor across the street says, man, my wife and I have just not been getting along. I can say, well, um, you know, my wife, Kristen, I've been married for 23 years, and believe me, it's not always smooth sailing, and I certainly know what that feels like to have conflict with your spouse. But actually, I've learned something that's helped me think about mm. our marriage in a better way, and I'd love to share it with you. Yeah. So you, you contextualize the conversation, and, and, you, and what, what you do with the three circles is you try to posture the conversation as, I've learned something, I've come to believe some things that have helped me, and I want to share it with you. Mm. And that kind of takes people's defenses down, because people don't mind talking to you about your experiences and things that have helped you. And I'm not saying, hey, you have to believe this, or this is, I'm not trying to press my beliefs on someone who's not receptive, but I am sharing with them what I have come to believe that has changed my life. And then I'm going to invite them to, to uh, dive deeper into the gospel or actually repent and believe the gospel themselves. So to me, making an experience base, I'm, I'm talking about something that we already share instead of trying to introduce alien and foreign concepts into a conversation that the person's not interested in. Mm. And it seems like, you know, you're encouraging people to have normal conversations with people. I think sometimes, you know, when we think of evangelism, we think it has to be awkward and weird all the time. And you're saying, you know, in the normal course of your conversations, you know, talk what talk about what means the most to you, which which is Christ, right? Absolutely. And, and the thing of it is, then. These people are going to talk to you about their lives. Everyone's life, even a wealthy person, even a successful person, everyone's life is riddled with brokenness. Everyone. And so whether it's their insecurities from what happened to them when they were growing up, or their failures in different ways with their families, or their their fears of the future, everyone's life is riddled with brokenness. We know that as a theological fact because we read the scriptures that tell us that. And so all I've got to do is they introduce these little topics where they share with me, hey, I'm feeling a little broken in this area. That lets us immediately go to the gospel. So I'm not trying to say, oh, yeah, well, um, have you, if you died tonight, what I'm trying to say is more like, you want to talk about your marriage? I want to talk about your marriage. But I want to talk about how the gospel applies to your marriage and maybe introduce some ideas to you that you haven't thought of before. And I just find that very uh, natural and it doesn't feel as uh, sales pitchy mm-hmm. and like I'm opening some canned presentation for somebody. Yeah, have you found uh, that the, the the people in your church have really responded to this well? Uh, and I'm not talking about you know church leaders who we're kind of supposed to do this right, but like your average everyday Christian, uh, have you found that this approach has really helped them uh, evangelize more? I think so. You know, uh, we have trained hundreds and hundreds of people in this because, you know, we've trained all the children in our church. We've trained the students in our church. We've trained adult volunteers and leaders and had classes and so forth. So we've been at this for about eight years. 
And over those eight years, we've trained a lot of people, and we've held, had a lot of gospel conversations. What I don't want to do is act as if things are better than they are. Look, I don't have as many gospel conversations as I should have. Uh, our church does not have, have as many gospel conversations as we should have. But I do think we are moving the needle, giving people a tool that they feel is accessible and natural and doesn't require... You know, it doesn't have... A, there, this is a conversation guide. So we mm. kind of have a, a conversation guide where we're trying to keep the conversation moving and we have a destination in mind. But the conversation can sh- be shaped a lot of different ways. And um, it's not a flow chart where if they say this, then you say that. Right. If they have this, then you turn to this first. It's a conversation guide. And it's kind of, we call it an open source tool, Dan. So we have a conversation guide. We're going to show you a template for a gospel conversation but it's your conversation. Mm. And if you're drawing the three circles on a napkin, we like to say, hey, look, it's your napkin. So you take the conversation where the Holy Spirit and the circumstances uh, lead you, mm. and you're trying to get them to the gospel from your everyday conversation. It also does seem, too, that part of what motivates us to evangelize is, you know, if we are walking with the Lord and we're excited about what the Lord has done for us and we've We've not forgotten the gospel work in our own lives. We can't help but tell people this. You know, it it seems to me that we're we are pretty good evangelists for the things that we really appreciate, whether it's, you know, our favorite you know, sports team or our favorite I car know you or whatever. Like the Cubs. I know you like the Cubs. Yes. I do love the Cubs, yes. And I'm an evangelist You're for the Cubs. You're trying to evangelize me right now. Exactly. <laughs> but it just it seems like it's a matter of uh, training people to, uh, you know, first of all, if, if they love the Lord, that they can't help but sharing uh, about their experience with Christ, right? Well, I think that's right. And I guess what we're trying to do is give people a tool that helps them cross the bridge. Because, look, everybody knows they should be talking more about Christ. People love Christ. It comes to, they're thinking about Christ. Christians are. But you get in these conversations and I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but you get in a conversation, somebody's sharing something with you, and you're, the Holy Spirit's kind of prompting you, and you're thinking, you know, I've got to say something. I should, I should interject the gospel here somehow, but you can't figure out how to get into it, mm. and the conversation kind of goes away, and you walk away kicking yourself because, oh my gosh, how did I let that conversation go without even talking about the gospel? Yeah. Yeah, And this gives us a tool to help us transition that conversation into a gospel conversation. We've got to be able to do the Word of God, not just speak the truth. That we must unapologetically testify that God values all life, from the unborn to the disabled to the dying. If God values it, we value it. What does it really mean to be pro-life? You know, all around us, it seems like the world is on fire. There are refugees and orphans who are in desperate need of care. There's a foster care system that seems like it's overloaded. There's natural disasters and wars. And there's evils like abortion and racism and white supremacy. What does it look like for the people of God to move into those spaces and to speak up for life? If fear is keeping you from loving people who are different from you, then fear is keeping you from God. We'd like you to join us in Washington, D.C. this January 18th through 20th for our annual Evangelicals for Life event that we co-host with Focus on the Family. This two-day event will feature very compelling speakers like Russell Moore, 
Jenny Yang from World Relief, Johnny Erickson Tata, Rich Stearns, Jim Daly, and of course the music of Shane and Shane. I think you'll enjoy coming not just to be equipped, to be a champion for life in your community using your gifts in whatever area God calls you, but also to meet with other champions for life. And then there'll be a special opportunity to participate in the March for Life where thousands of people from around the country make their voice heard in Washington, D.C. and stand up for the sanctity of human life. So will you join us for Evangelicals for Life January 18th through the 20th and use the coupon code WAYHOME for a 20% discount. These children are not burdens. These children bear the image of God and are blessings. Jimmy, in the few minutes we have left, I want to just pivot and have you just talk about how uh, pastors and church leaders can really uh, help their churches become more evangelistic. I mean, what are some ways, just some practical ways, if you're talking to to the average uh, pastor who's saying, we got to get our church to be more evangelistic. How do I do this in my preaching? How do I do this in in some of the programs and other things we're doing? What's some advice you would give them? You you know, the number one piece of advice I give to pastors about this is I think every pastor in every church ought to choose a gospeling tool that's going to be kind of their tool that they promote, that they use, that they train on. And I know there's a lot of great tools, and people say, no, 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 we want to give them a toolbox and give them all these different tools. I don't think that's effective. I think it's more effective if every church would just choose your gospeling tool. If you don't like any of them that are out there, invent your own. Whichever one you like better, pick one, and just train people on that for like 10 years. So just make that your tool for a decade where we just do this, we do this, we do this, we repeat it, we talk about it, we have classes, we train our kids, we train our adults, we train our leaders. And if people would get going on a tool and make that part of the fabric of their church, their church would become more evangelistic. In terms of preaching, I just think being able to share evangelistic stories from your own life when you're preaching, but sometimes when pastors, to, to me, when pastors are always sharing about people they led to the Lord, it comes across as a little bit unfair because we're professionals and all these people come to us trying to get led to the Lord and then I lead them to the Lord and then I go around bragging about it. Well, your everyday person doesn't have that. I really think it'd be better to share stories from people in the congregation who had gospel conversations. And I actually think it's even more powerful if you can just tell the story of people who are being baptized. So the more we can celebrate baptisms and tell their stories and how they became Christians, to me, that's the most powerful way to generate enthusiasm for evangelism. The other thing, Dan, that we've done, I know it sounds small, and maybe a lot of churches are already doing this, but we just started letting everybody in our church baptize people. So if you are a part of the gospel conversation, you're part of the person's life that helps bring them to Christ or bring them to the point of, you know, wanting to be baptized, we will let you get in the get in the water and baptize your friend or your mom or your sister or your spouse. Um, so we let men and women, teenagers do it. So it's all done under the authority of our church and leadership of our pastors, but that has created tremendous enthusiasm for baptism because they get to share in some of the fun of what happens when someone's converted. Mm, it's really good. And it seems like, you know, the stories of, average everyday Christians who are working in the workplace doing evangelism seems more realistic to people where, you know, they, they can, whether it's right or wrong, they consider those of us who are preaching and teaching to kind of be in a specialized, you know, category. And, yeah, and, and rightly so in the sense that this is what we do all day for a living. We think about this stuff, yeah. we do it 
posted it, and we are we should do it. But I think you're exactly right. You know, we talk about pros and Joes. So ah, I like that. So most most churches, you know, right now the most popular evangelistic strategy in churches is called invest and invite, which is a great strategy, and I think every church should be doing that. But they encourage their people to go invest in relationships and then invite them to church. And then when they get to the church, the pros kind of take over and mm. lead the people to Christ. Mm. And that's okay if we want to lead a few people to Christ, but then there are billions, with a B, billions of people in this world that are lost and without Christ. Mm. There are there are tens of millions of people in the United States that are lost and without Christ. We're not going to reach billions and tens of millions by getting a few more people to come to our mega churches and respond to our invitations on Sundays. The only way we're going to make a dent and actually move the needle on lostness is to have millions and hundreds of millions of Christians worldwide, worldwide having billions of gospel conversations every day. And that's the movement that I think Jesus was trying to get us into when he issued the Great Commission. Mm, that's a really good word, and that's a really great place uh, to end our conversation. Uh, Jimmy Scroggins, thank you so much for the work you've invested in in uh, not only in your church, but in helping to equip other churches and, and average people to share the gospel in, uh, in natural ways. Thank you so much. You bet, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Way Home Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please let us know by writing a review on iTunes. You can catch previous episodes on danieldarling.com. The Way Home is produced by Gary Lancaster and scheduling by Marie Delft. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention.